0: Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers, the podcast from Seven Hills, where we hear from inspirational people with a passion to make a difference. My guest today is one of the UK's most dynamic educators with a renowned ability to make sense of the world. Sir Anthony Seldon is a historian, university leader, the honorary historical advisor to number 10 Downing Street, and the author of more than 40 books. So from someone clearly so busy, you might well be surprised to learn that his top tip for life is simply this, Slow down. You will do much more. Anthony, welcome to Changemakers.
1: Thank you, Michael. Very nice to be on. Well, lockdown has forced all of us or uh, most of us who are not in emergency jobs like the NHS to have a different pace in life. And it's always been my suspicion, Michael, that uh, we don't perform uh, as well as we could because there's just too much haste, too much nervous energy. And you can see that in great golfers, great musicians, there's an incredible economy about what they do. And I think lockdown, I've found it, I think others have found it too, that it's been a reminder that by slowing down the frantic pace, we actually get more done and we do things better and we do things more harmoniously and less egotistically and less abrasively uh, and less muddledly Mm. uh, simply because we're just a bit more considered but more reflective
0: and and i see that you know you you mean you're a great practitioner of mindfulness i mean i've been i've been in meetings with you where i i've seen you meditate before a meeting to actually clear your mind i mean in terms of the in terms of the the techniques that you favor to get that kind of clarity in terms of the things that you would advise others to think about when they think, well, I love that idea in theory, but how do I put it into practice? What's the big takeaway, do you think?
1: Sorry for the pause, Michael. I was just meditating there. Uh, And I mean, it's incredibly simple. It isn't complicated. All one is doing is getting back in touch with the rhythm of the body, how many people listening to this have been conscious of their breath since they woke up this morning? And uh, by just getting back in touch with the breath coming in and out, it starts to slow down, well, the breath itself, but also the uh, blood pressure comes down, the heart rate comes down, the urgency, hyperactivity in the brain settles down. And, you know, what could be more simple than just closing one's eyes and inhaling?
0: Mm. Does, does happiness increase?
1: Yeah, that's interesting, you know, because it tends to accentuate the mood that you feel. So some people say that it makes them very tired. It doesn't make you tired. It merely makes you Uh, aware of how tired you are maybe you do need to go to bed earlier Uh, and if you're feeling low if uh, you're anxious you will become more aware of that because you're actually suppressing that by your activity Uh, but equally it's a more healing process to assimilate it rather than to deny it or suppress it so it might be more uncomfortable in the short term but it's a more long-term healing
0: Mm. I mean how how does the modern historian bring that into a view of the world a study of the world um certainly in terms of today um as opposed to yesterday in terms of are are we a are we a less mindful generation do you think um or, or or are we getting it are we getting on top of it
1: unknowable uh but the sense is that the more one speeds up. Uh, so industrialization in the 19th century, Britain's population grew four times in that uh, century and life became much more frenetic. People were uh, coming out of the villages, into the towns, into the cities, and life became more uh, frantic. Uh, there was much less time to keep in touch with the rhythm of nature. Uh, So, uh, uh, and now with social media, we do know attention spans are declining, Michael. So my sense is we probably are. Um, And when you think about history, well, let's come to the most recent history of all, Theresa May, um, Mm. had only, she just sat down uh, on the 13th of July 2016, her first day in office, and just, Uh, breathed and inhaled deeply and just thought, what can I achieve? What's my premiership going to be about? Uh, Okay, it's going to be about Brexit. Whatever I think about Brexit, how am I going to be able to get that done? I've got to take Parliament with me. Uh, How am I going to do that? Uh, She would have thought it through logically. Instead, uh, she rushed it in the way that Boris Johnson rushed the uh, his way of dealing with coronavirus, he started off by denying it, uh, like Donald Trump, who's still denying it, but then he's uh, embraced uh, perhaps an overly uh, restrictive uh, vision of what needed to be done. So it just means mm. we're going to be the best version of ourselves. We're going to assimilate. We can't be better than the evidence we have in front of us, but at least we can listen to it more clearly if we're just calm
0: I mean, having having spoken to you about May at ten, it strikes me that there is as much a cautionary tale for leaders here as there is a history of a prime minister in terms of actually how important it is to get things right early. I mean, you know, I, I took out of one of the things we were talking about that you know it went wrong within hours almost for her. Uh, it went wrong within hours,
1: Michael. Of course, you could say it went wrong because of the history of what she'd had before. So. Anyone listening to this, you might be taking over a new job. Um, actually, your previous job probably isn't a very good guide to the new job. So forget the old job and that mindfulness. We're talking about a lot more than mindfulness in this talk, but just to mention it again, allows you just to drop what has been and to come into the what is, the what is now. And had she done that, had she dropped the home office, I mean, she tried to be a Home Secretary as Prime Minister and it didn't work. And Gordon Brown tried to be Chancellor of the Exchequer as Home Secretary. And Tony Blair tried to be Labour leader of the opposition. And Boris Johnson is trying to be a campaigning um, uh, uh, mayor Mayor of London uh, uh, rather than being a prime minister. Um, as somebody once said, you campaign in poetry, but you, um, govern in prose and they're different jobs. Had you just thought, you know, it through basically, uh, and that's true of all of us when we take on new jobs, don't try and do the old job, think through and think through what's, what's the art of the possibility.
0: Mm. Of and, and is it a bit of, is it a bit of visioning as well in terms of what you want to do with it? Yeah.
1: I mean, think on your first day, what are they going to say on my last day? Uh, what are they going to say about me in terms of what I've achieved and in the, in the values that I've transacted and who I am as a human being? Hmm. Uh, and I- I- if you're firing an arrow uh, or uh, pointing a rifle, you, you know, it's really important to get that right. Because the moment you squeeze the trigger, it, 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 the, it, the arrow, the bullet h- have gone. Um if you're trying to drive to Edinburgh, work out where Edinburgh is and don't just start sort of vaguely going north, um, following the stars a bit or, you know, just to be really precise, you know, when you're starting, be reflective and then keep reflection going periodically in your time as leader. Uh, Are you actually doing the best you can do? Because you know, interviewing prime ministers all my life, um, as a historian and other senior people, they all say there wasn't time. The answer is rubbish. There was time. It simply didn't make time. Uh, and therefore, you know, they finish and they rue that, that they'll never have that power again, like Theresa May now will spend the next 30 years of her life rueing what she didn't do. If only she'd been just less angry and, and, and less reactive, trashing what David Cameron did, Boris Johnson's trashing what Theresa May did.
0: Listen, you mentioned what is now. I'm just thinking about what is now. I mean, if you think about coronavirus if you think about black lives matter if you think about um world economic um the world economic woes a, a lot of people are pulling out certain dates they, they're pulling out spanish flu 18 to 20 the roaring 20s the great depression 1968 in terms of the civil rights um uh, movement do, do you think that that, that kind of you know mashup of history in terms of those dates i mean do they do they teach us anything are they useful or or are they or are they just being used for for uh, for other sort of um, uh, other agendas right now in terms of uh, in terms of the debate that, that you're observing
1: okay so two points there one is history really matters and the ignorance of history by um, people in government and people in business, even of their company, uh, is staggering. Um, history really matters because without a historical understanding, we are ignorant. I mean, we're truly travelling into the future without a light. Um, but then it's important, secondly, just to say that, Michael, every situation I- I is different. So the flu epidemic killed fifth. 50 million worldwide, which is, by the way, 10 times, sorry, 100 times more than um, coronavirus has thought to have killed so far, which is half a million. Um, Everyone is different. And and part of what what happened, as you know, with the response went wrong here, is that people were expecting a flu-like pandemic, but it wasn't flu. And it's very different coronavirus to flu. So you both need the understanding of the past, but also need to understand that it's always different and to understand mm. what that difference is. Uh, and 68, uh, uh, race riots, uh, going all the way back to the earlier 60s, and Martin Luther King. I mean, there are many similarities, and what can we learn from that? Well, just one thing is that peaceful protest uh, produced extraordinary change you don't need to have violence violence often changes nothing because it produces an equal and opposite reaction against you whereas a peaceful change uh, doesn't alienate and make people angry and make them want to destroy what you've done
0: mm, i mean I, I mean these words these are times of danger and uncertainty but they are also the most creative of any time in the history of mankind i mean that, that could be straight out of 2020, but that's the Ripples of Hope speech by Robert Kennedy in, in 1966. I mean, I mean, it's extraordinary, the, the, the sense of déjà vu in world affairs at the moment, don't you think?
1: So I didn't know that speech, but it's wonderful words yeah. um, and how tragic that Robert Kennedy uh, died two years later um, could have been president rather than Nixon and uh, the what might have beens. You know I think that the the, the principles uh, never change uh, ha- whatever happens to AI that the the essential principles and truths of great morality or, or great religions uh, do not change and will never change because they are what the human condition is uh, as is living in harmony with the planet. Uh, and we either do that and we'll all flourish or we don't do that and we'll all perish. So uh, but, but the, the, the in, when individual human agency comes in and that combines with the technology uh, and economic and social conditions of the day, then that leads to unique factors that, that do make um, uh, the race riots of 2020 different um, to, to, to earlier episodes. Mm. Um, principles uh, don't change.
0: I mean, it it strikes me that that there is a a question, I suppose, for a historian, which is about how progress and how change happens. I was listening to Sir Richard Lambert give an interview the other day. He said, I mean, and basically his conclusion, he was speaking to Ollie Barrett, a fellow podcaster, and he he said that um, beware those that say this time it will be different. I mean, is that the kind of world weary view of, of a historian also i mean that actually i mean that actually there is a sense that we we're, we're stuck in this merry go round where actually things don't really change that actually things things seem to settle back into a more predictable pace or, or do you think actually that's a misread of history and that actually it's always been about change I mean, i'm interested in your personal take oh. of, in terms of way you start on that on that analysis
1: The things that change are the things that don't change. So the fundamental human truths, the the love of a mother or father for their child um, 5,000, 50,000 years ago is the same uh, love uh, and sense to protect and and want to nurture. Uh, But outer things change. Wars uh, uh, and... External shocks are always the big catalyst for change for the First World War 100 years ago, uh, saw enormous change in the understanding of the human mind. Freud had been talking for uh, many years, uh, as had others, Adler, uh, and but but the understanding of shell shock, uh, the sense that the individual soldier was not being lazy uh, or lacking in courage, that, that, that something had happened involuntarily, uh, the, the changes to medicine more generally, the changes to science, technology, uh, travel, communications, that the first world war ushered in were extraordinary penicillin uh, and many other changes came out of the second world war and uh, so war is a great catalyst to change but you know it's also a, a reminder because clearly and this pandemic is showing us again that our children um, are unlikely um, uh, to have the same standard of living even as their parents and yet uh, for many earlier generations there's always been the assumption that one's own children are going to have a better standard of living but there's the beginning i put it no more than that of a recognition that that doesn't really matter as long as quality of life matters the 20th century allowed us to become obsessed and think the quantities matter i have to have uh, a bigger house a bigger car um, a bigger ego than everybody else, um, a bigger salary, uh, a, a bigger office. Otherwise, I'm not uh, somehow real or alive or I'm not worthy of respect um, or authority. A- and the, the, the realisation is that, in fact, you know, going out and for a walk, um, there was a wonderful talk on Radio 4 uh, by Melvin Bragg's daughter, who is a... Uh, a vicar just about the the the, the sanctity of, of, of being alive and being in the moment of now mm. and you know when people on their deathbeds look back they do you know i know people talk about this but it's really true and they don't want to think about it you know we're uncomfortable when we think about it it makes us squirm uh but it is true and it is going to happen uh, and so you know to ask the questions now um how you know what can i do that really makes my life more valuable mm. who are the friends I really want to see who those I just don't really get very much from anymore uh what are the things I can do uh to junk? so uh there's a lot also in just slimming down uh chucking out uh in coronavirus uh, and and con- reconnecting what with what truly matters
0: mm. I mean it strikes me that you know the, the world at the moment is facing massive anxiety um socially economically on 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 the health front um as as a historian do you i mean to what degree does optimism or pessimism about the future um come into play for you personally And, and 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 where 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 are you on on either side of that in terms of how you see the future of the human story i guess
1: um the, the the winners are the optimists, um, but their optimists are also realists. So whereas pessimists are pretty much all of one kind um, and even against the facts, they're still pessimistic. And pessimism drains energy. We all know what it's like to have people in the office, um, people around us, family, friends who are pessimistic and gloomy. And, you know, you just kind of want to edge away from them and listen to somebody else uh, because their talk is, is self referencing and it's it's negative and you know and, and exhausting um but so is it to be with somebody as a Pollyanna who's who is groundlessly optimistic so the whole work of people like Martin Seligman who have uh, helped champion this understanding of the 21st centuries about Quality of life, rather than just quantity, more, more, more. Um, are, are optimists, but they're grounded optimists, Michael, uh, who, um, who who say, uh, you know, they, they find the evidence for being optimistic. And optimistic leaders uh, optimistic people. They have more friends. They live longer. They're more successful. They do actually earn more uh, money. they but they just have have uh, more fun in life. So. Uh, to be optimistic and the, the, the interesting thing is we can learn to be optimistic and however bad our life is we can always make it better
0: so, so a quick tip on on finding optimism for those for those that might be sat there thinking i'd love to feel optimistic right now what, what's a, what, a- get are your
1: bum Get off your big bum, uh, and if you're listening to this, uh, sitting down, walk around, you know. Uh, my not, board, not an instruction
0: oh, to me, then that's that
1: uh, uh, I I was nothing personal, uh, to, to you. You know, walk around 6,000 paces a day, get the app on your uh phone or get it on your watch or whatever. And always, every day, do a minimum of 6,000. Mm. Uh, I, at the moment, am averaging 13,000 this year. And lots of meetings I'm having walking around. You know, it just makes you feel better. And an hour's walking a day will have more effect than antidepressant pills. And it will not fuzz the brain. It will give you greater mental clarity. Just get out there. You know, and if it's raining put a coat on, put a hat on, and it will make you feel better. Because,
0: I mean, that was your definition for, for, for the new normal that you gave us, which was about living life more fully. I mean, the full life as, a, as, a, as I guess, a, a thought in terms of it, is, it, it's physical. It, it, I guess it's, it's spiritual or, or, or certainly mindful. Um, is, is there anything else that you would say in terms of that, that life to live more fully as the new normal? Well,
1: it's more awake. Uh, a lot of... Us just live in our heads, um, and we don't really know where we are. We can drive across London or across Glasgow, uh, or Helsinki, wherever you're listening to this, and, and you don't quite know that you did that. Or you travel home, you, you switch off your computer at your office, whatever you do, and, and you're suddenly at home. You, you know, and people uh, live can live their life like that. So the journey to live life more fully is to live a life more purposefully with greater awareness, feeling the feet on the ground, a body that's more active and more engaged, a body more in touch with nature, more in touch with other people, listening more, touching more, more involved with the arts, rather than just sitting down and seeing a film, go out and and, or join an online singing or drama or book group. I mean, life is about engagement. It's Mm. not about disengagement.
0: And and just final quick one on your lockdown tracks let it be the beatles speaking words of wisdom i mean beautiful piece of music what does it sort of hold for you in terms of a memory and in, i guess a lesson
1: well the memory was i loved it back in i can't remember when it came out 69. Late 60s yeah i loved it i don't think i understood it at the time till i did start you know rethinking my life and and you know there's something just about letting it be if your life is difficult Um, And if our life is like a a, a pond or a puddle, you know, one way to deal with it is to uh, ram a stick in and stir everything up. And another way is just to let things be uh, and just to see things as they truly are without coming in and interfering with things. So just it's I think it's about a more gentle way of life. uh, and, And it's about being rather than doing. I mean, we are human beings. We're not human doings
0: human beings and and actually I think you 're right i think I think there was something wonderfully gentle about about that song and, and, and unfortunately, that gentle um, final thought is is indeed all we we have time for and my thanks, therefore, to, to Anthony Seldon, a historian with a lesson about life. I now know that back to the future wasn 't just a uh, an excellent Michael J. Fox movie. I think that we could take that as the um, the collective wisdom um, of Anthony there because I think there've been essential lessons there that, that, that as, as you said, that the history is the light that sort of shines forward in terms of the lessons, um, in terms of understanding that world of tomorrow and perhaps how we get it right. And that's all we have time for for this edition of The Changemakers. Do join me next time.